After about six months of carrying the message, he came home to his wife, Lois, all disillusioned, and he said, listen, I'm carrying the message to all these people, and nobody is staying sober. And Lois said, wait a minute, you're staying sober. And that is when Bill realized that carrying the message was a very important part of his sobriety. I carry the message first and foremost for my own recovery. And then, of course, I want all of you to recover and I want the fellowship to be around for the future. But it's selfish. We do it for ourselves first and foremost. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life whether you're in recovery or not. This is episode 157, Tips on How to Find the Right Sponsor in 12-Step Recovery. I've been asked to share some tips on how to find the right sponsor in recovery, so here you go. Now, when I started this recording, my intention was for it to be just that, but it turned into more than that. I found myself talking about how I sponsor, how I've been sponsored, and a few other things about sponsorship. So that's included here as well. In case you want to learn about what it might be like to work with a sponsor, or if you're looking for new ways to think about sponsoring. Just as with everything in recovery, take what you want and leave the rest. My way is right for me, and it might not be right for you. I think the most important message I want to get across to you is that sponsorship needs to work for you. Whether you're the sponsor or the sponsee, it needs to work for you. If you're the sponsor and feeling completely drained by having way too many sponsees or people needing way too much from you, you can let those sponsees go or you can change the way you sponsor. The other thing that I want to caution you about, especially if you're a people pleaser like I used to be, is that just because someone asks you to sponsor them doesn't mean you have to say yes. I know that there are some recovery programs where that's the rule. Well, sponsorship relationships need to work for you. They're supposed to strengthen your recovery, not detract from it. If you're a sponsee and you feel like your sponsor just doesn't get you or you're feeling like shit every time you talk to them or they make you feel guilty or they order you around and that's not working for you, then you can let them go. It's okay to do that. In fact, it's expected that in recovery, you're going to have different sponsors and sponsees over time. Sometimes people work with the same sponsor for decades, and sometimes people go from sponsor to sponsor. It's a really individual thing, and there's all kinds of reasons that people change sponsors. So keep that in mind. 
The other thing I would say is that you should choose a sponsor. You should not have someone tell you, I'm going to be your sponsor. You get to choose. Being in recovery is about making choices and you get to choose who's going to guide you. I am in two different programs and they operate very differently in terms of sponsorship. In one of them, you pretty much can't recover without a sponsor. And what we say in that program is find someone who has what you want and ask how he or she is getting it. In other words, when you hear someone sharing in a meeting in ways that make you think, that's how I want to live, or that's how I want to think, or that's the kind of person I want to be, then speak to that person and say, hey, I really liked what you share. Can we talk? And then as you talk more with them, you might decide to ask if they're available to sponsor or if they'd consider sponsoring you. Now, I think this is great advice if you've been around for a while, but when you're just getting into recovery, sometimes you have no idea what you're doing and you're kind of flailing about. So it might be harder to pick someone. So my recommendation in that case is that you might ask someone to be your temporary sponsor. That will make it easier to let them go if they're not a good match for you. If they are a good match, then go ahead and make it a more permanent thing. But if it's not working out, you should be free to let them go. Personally, I think it's okay to wait to get a sponsor until you find one you really like. Now, I will say that though I've had my share of drinking and drugging, I'm not in recovery for alcohol or drugs. And my understanding is things are very different in those programs. So you need to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. For drug and alcohol programs, you could possibly die if you go one more day without a sponsor. So keep that in mind. At the same time, the two recovery programs I'm in get lots of people from drug and alcohol programs in them. And I have heard some fucking horror stories about horrendous things that sponsors have done and said to people. So my aim is to help you avoid that. The thing is, if someone is really making you feel like a piece of shit, then they're not the right sponsor for you. This is not the fucking military. A sponsor is supposed to be a guide, not a drill sergeant, not a boss, and not a parent. If they're giving you guidance and saying things like, here's what I would do, or here's what I did, that's wonderful. But if they're saying, here's what you need to do, that's not. It's not okay because they are supposed to be like a guide to take you through the steps. Think of it like this. They've been on this staircase before you. They're ahead of you with a flashlight and they're like, oh, I've taken these steps before. This step creaks and this one's got a nail sticking out and that sort of thing. They're not there to tell you this is what you need to do for your recovery. They're there to say, here's what I did, or here's what I've seen work, or here's what works for me, or here's what I would do in that situation. They're not there to tell you precisely what to do. They're there to guide you. Okay, now about my recovery programs again. In one of my programs, you pretty much can't recover without a sponsor. You go into the program and you do the steps and that is how you recover. But I'm also in another program where I don't think you can really recover without the steps, 
but there's so much other work that needs to be done that some people can't do the steps until they get to those other things. For example, they might need to do grief work, they might need to do feelings work or reparenting work. And that means that we don't do the steps right away, but we have to eventually do them. And sometimes we just can't start until we've taken care of some of those other things. The other thing is that in that program, many people come in with a fear of authority figures, and it's based on growing up in a dysfunctional family. And they might automatically put a person who's in a sponsorship role into an authority figure role, regardless of whether that person acts like an authority or not. So some people in that program don't ever work with a sponsor when they do the steps. They might work one-on-one with a fellow traveler, or maybe with a small group of people doing a step group, or maybe in a step study, so that they don't get into a relationship where one person is in a position of authority. Whatever method you choose to do the steps, you want to have people around you in recovery who have been through the program before, who've been through the steps before, so you can ask them questions, get guidance from them, and they can help you interpret the literature and that sort of thing. Now I'll talk about my personal experience with the steps. My first sponsor said when I met her, I'm going to take you through the 12 steps, and when we're done, I'm going to move on and get a new sponsee. And you're going to move on and get a new sponsor. And that may be selfish of me, but that's what I need to do to keep me in the steps because that's where the recovery is. Now, this was a woman with 30 years of abstinence and I wanted what she had. So I was like, okay, fine. And as soon as I was done going through the 12 steps with her, I found another sponsor. Now, in my other program, I did not have a sponsor because there weren't any in my area when I came in. And I did the steps with a small group of women, and I now work with a sponsor who is in both of my programs, which works great for me. In terms of being a sponsor, I have one sponsee in one program and four sponsees in my other program. And every one of my current sponsees has been with me for years. I've had one for four years one for just under four years, one for three and a half, one for three, and one for two and a half years. When I started sponsoring, my sponsor at the time said to me, you're probably going to sponsor 10 to 12 people before you finally get a sponsee all the way through the 12 steps, which was really helpful to me because I'd work with people and they'd fall off or it wasn't working for them, or they weren't willing, or whatever. And finally, my ninth sponsee is the one that I carried all the way through the 12 steps. Now, I had the intention of working with her after we finished the steps, but she moved on, and that I got another sponsee in that program, and I'm still working with that person three years later. In my other program, where I didn't have a sponsor in the beginning, I had two sponsees early on for a very brief time, one for a month and one for about six weeks. And then every sponsee after that has stuck around. I have no intention of letting these people go anytime soon. And I don't believe any of them have any intention of letting me go anytime soon. In fact, I've checked in with all of them recently and I know they don't. What I've done with each of them is when I've completed the steps, we've moved on to another piece of literature to work together. The other thing that I do in terms of how I work with my sponsees is that when I work with someone 
in the beginning, I tell them, I'm going to check in with you in 30 days and again in 90 days, and I'm going to do it by email so that if you decide you don't want to continue working with me or you need to change something, it will be as easy as possible for you to let me go via email. But I also want you to know that this needs to work for me as well. So I'll be checking in with you too. So keep in mind, the main reason we sponsor is to strengthen our own recovery. Of course, we want other people to recover. But the reason we sponsor is for ourselves. In case you haven't heard the story about Bill W. and carrying the message, I'm going to tell you now. After about six months of carrying the message, he came home to his wife, Lois, all disillusioned, and he said, listen, I'm carrying the message to all these people, and nobody is staying sober. And Lois said, wait a minute, you're staying sober. And that is when Bill realized that carrying the message was a very important part of his sobriety. So, I carry the message first and foremost for my own recovery. And then, of course, I want all of you to recover and I want the fellowship to be around for the future. But it's selfish. We do it for ourselves first and foremost. And so my sponsorship relationships have to work for me. And because I am a very structured person, I structure my sponsorship relationships. Here's how I do it. But keep in mind, this is what works for me. For each sponsee, we pick a one-hour time slot each week, and I work with them on the phone. When I start working with them, I tell them that for the first 15 minutes of the hour, you can talk about anything you want, and then after that, we're going to get into the steps. And that way, they get to get out all the stories they want to share with me and all the things they want to tell me about about what happened during the week. But what they don't know is that I'm actually doing step work with them during those first 15 minutes because my job as a sponsor is to constantly remind them how to use the steps and the tools of recovery to deal with the issues they're working on. As time goes on and I get to know them better and know their stories and their issues, I'm not so rigid about that first 15 minutes. Because what's important is applying what they're learning in recovery to their everyday lives. That is what recovery is all about. I'm also not as rigid as time goes on about the one hour. I had one sponsee who very soon said to me, can I have a 15-minute check-in during the week? Because he felt like stuff was building up during the week and he had more than 15 minutes of stuff to cover in our weekly call. So for over two years, that's what we did. We had the one-hour step meeting and then the 15-minute check-in meeting. And then he decided he didn't need to do that anymore. I had another sponsee who, after we finished the steps, wanted to take the summer off before we moved on to the next piece of literature. So we did that. And during that summer, I took on a temporary sponsee. And then when he came back, we went on to our next piece of literature and we got about halfway through it and it just really wasn't working for him. So we took a break and ended up just meeting quarterly to check in. And now he's back to meeting with me regularly on a different piece of literature. I have another sponsee who had a whole bunch of shit go on because of the pandemic, as many of us had. So we ended up meeting bi-weekly instead of weekly. 
And I have another sponsee that I meet with for 45 minutes. Actually, I have two sponsees that I meet for 45 minutes rather than an hour. So I do have structure, but of course I allow some flexibility. But if somebody can't commit to being on the phone with me every single week at the same time, with exceptions from time to time, of course, then I am not the right sponsor for them. And that's okay. I don't have to be the right sponsor for everybody. One of the things this does for me is not only structures my life and structures their life, I know where they're at. I know people who say, oh, I have a sponsee. You know, I don't know how many sponsees I have, or I have a sponsee I haven't talked to in weeks. Like, I don't ever have sponsees that I don't talk to in weeks because they're talking to me every single week because we have an appointment at the same time. Now, when people first come into recovery, they might need to speak with me every single day. And I'm willing to do that for a while, but only for a few minutes at a time. And I'm not willing to do that for years on end. It's just not the kind of life I want to lead. So if somebody needs that level of contact with their sponsor, then that's not me. And I want to say something about the phone. I have three sponsees in Connecticut, but I now talk to all of them on the phone. I met them in person, but none of them live close by. So we only met in person monthly. Since the pandemic, we always talk on the phone. And then I also have two long distance sponsees. One is on the other side of the country and one is in a different country. And so, of course, I talk to them on the phone. I also tell all my sponsees that they can reach out to me at any time. They need to text me, not call me because I keep my ringer off, but they can text me and say, hey, can you talk? And if I can't talk that day, I let them know that I can't and that I will pray for them and then I pray for them. But if I can, I either call them right back or I give them a time, you know, in the next 20 minutes or hour or whatever. And I do my best to be there for them. So those are just some of the ways that I sponsor. Another thing that I want to say is about the gender of sponsoring relationships. I know that in some programs, it's a no-no for people to work with someone of the other gender. But in the programs I'm in, people sponsor any gender. I've had men and women sponsors, and I sponsor men and women. In fact, I have sponsored more men than women. It's really up to the individual. Some people have issues with the people of their own gender, so they won't work well with them. And it's really more on the sponsor to take charge of this kind of thing, since they're the one with a stronger recovery. Now, I do get where this concern about gender comes from, which is to avoid any possibility of romantic interest. But you also have to keep into consideration that not everybody is heterosexual. So the gender thing is not a hard and fast rule in recovery, though I know for some people it is. One last thing I want to share. I know that in some programs and in some regions, it's hard to find sponsors. And my tip for you is to go to other meetings, especially now that the world has opened up via Zoom for meetings. Even if you're not going to go to those meetings on a regular basis, you can still visit other meetings to meet different people and let folks know, hey, I'm looking for a sponsor. You're much more likely to find one that way. I hope all of this has been helpful to you. But if you have specific questions about sponsorship that I might be able to help you with, I'm happy to answer them. I am not going to sponsor you and I'm not going to help you find a sponsor, but I can answer questions for you. 
email me, barb at higherpowercc.com or DM me on Instagram. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listened to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep, lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.